Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, my fine feathered friends, to episode 132 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill, your hostess with the leastest, and certainly the story I might tell you at the end of this podcast will illustrate what the very leastest of um, intelligence really is. Um, I, you can add it to the long list. I'm list as long as, well, a couple of arms at very least um, of stupid things that I've done. But, you know, that's why the podcast is called Artificial Intelligence. Will you ever learn? Um, and this is episode 132 of Agitators Anonymous. You can follow me in Empty Angle Score Primordial over on Instagram or the band Primordial underscore official. You can go over to patreon.com slash Alan Averill, A-L-A-N-A-V-E or I-double-L to support the show. Um, there's other things going on there, rehearsals, other podcasts, various discussions. It's all pretty cool. Go over there and have a look if you wish to. I would appreciate um, if you do like the podcast, give it a review, give it a mark, recommend it to somebody or recommend it to somebody you think it will annoy. That's great. Um, anything you want to do. Just um, just give the podcast a share or whatever else. Um, you know, the last of three or four weekends of playing now for me. Um, so it's been a kind of hectic time. And I know I had promised before all of these things started that I would have um, some new and interesting guests. But I kind of put that on the long finger as, um, to be honest, recovering after every weekend of playing now takes a little bit longer um, because... Aren't we all aging? But sure, I'll get to s- discussing some of that. In fact, I just recorded a, a cool metal salvage chat with Joe from Gamma Bomb, which is going to go up as well over on my YouTube channel. Just put in Alan Averill for that if you want to go and find it. And we are discussing that very thing, that very thing that, um, you know, you sort of realize that you are entering the last couple of chapters of the book. At least theoretically, you are. And in those terms, is there any... It kind of makes me um, feel a little bit strange when people discuss with me plans for the band. What's your five-year plan? 
Well, I would have said to stay alive is probably the most important part of that five year plan. But um, what we were shown clearly in the last couple of years is um, planning everything maybe isn't quite what it used to be five or 10 years ago and trying to move people on from that old kind of concept is a little bit difficult because I had quite a few people ask me over the weekend, especially in Hamburg, lots of label and agency people there going, so what's the plan for this, that and the other? Well, the plan is to cram in every experience you possibly can before you fucking die. I think that's the main plan we all have, right? No, no, no. But if you leave out this territory and that territory and look, do everything before we die. That's the plan. Anyway, artificial intelligence, will you ever learn is the name of this uh, podcast before I digress and go off completely on another, um, you know, devoid tangent. Um, devoid, good band. If you ever uh, want to discover them, I said I was going to do a podcast about doom death. Don't worry, that's coming next week. But anyway, yeah, devoid from Liverpool, pretty good band. Again, a digression within a digression. Who else could you uh, expect that kind of thing from in your favorite podcast? Uh, your random podcast made by somebody who should know better. Anyway, I guess you all missed me on Tuesday, right? Of course you did. Well, the whole bank holiday thing threw me, of course, by the way. Um, Halloween uh, in Ireland, the month of October is called Samhain. Mina Chauna. Um, and Samhain is how you say it, not Samhain. So if you've been going around for the last 30 years saying it was Samhain, you're wrong. I'm afraid it's an Irish word and it's pronounced Samhain. Just thought I'd throw that out there so you can go and, um, you know, tell your friends in the pub and annoy them and irritate them and then go, no, bro, where'd you learn that from? And you can go from an Irishman, a once ginger Irishman in the know. Anyway, the whole bank holiday thing threw me. And of course, um, Tuesday's episode came right um, after playing or coming back on the Monday from uh, an awful lot of traveling. And so the two gig weekend thing, which I've been doing for the last month, kind of caught up on me. And, you know, there was no podcast, no Tuesday's metal miscellany. Um, so I presume you've all missed the dulcet tones of my voice. So what the fuck are we going to talk about today? Normal service will be resumed next week. And maybe, maybe, just maybe you needed a break from me anyway. Who knows? So the loose, the loose theme of today's podcast will be intelligence. At least um, artificial intelligence on the one side and my lack of on the other side. A dumb story from the weekend which highlights my, as I said, lack of intelligence which, you know, you can wait for that one. So you've got to be one of those people who get to the end of the podcast to be rewarded with another stupid story from my um, long list of stupid stories. But um, there's various other things uh, happening in terms of AI and what it could mean for artists, creative people, or in reality, um, all of us. Um, so let's get into it. A friend of mine a couple of weeks ago started sending me images without much explanation. Um sort of landscapes of what could have been, I suppose, a romantic vision of ancient Ireland, standing stones, ruins, druidic figures rising up from the ashes, um, you know, in incredible sunsets over um, monolithic tombs stretching off into the Atlantic. Um, really, you know, pretty impressive stuff. First impressions. I mean, obviously, you know, they're on my phone, so they're small, but I'm like, wow, man, have you made these by yourself? What the fuck? Okay, brain not firing on all cylinders, just looking at them in the morning. Um, and looking at them, of course, my first thoughts ran to the band, um, and I thought to myself, God damn it, where were all these when, for example, we were stuck in the artistic rut around Storm Before Cam 
which has an awful cover, by the way, or the sort of compromised cover of Spirit the Earth the Flame, which was supposed to be basically like a sort of leather bound book feel. And in the end, kind of doesn't look like that at all. Um, and I thought, God damn it, where were some of these images when we were making those things? And that's the first thing I thought to myself, that they were better than the many of the things we'd used for the band over all the years. Images, you know, the images kept on coming and they kept on slightly changing. Images of ancient ruins ablaze. And it felt like my friend had sort of moved on to more Roman or Greek antiquity. Lightning striking the Parthenon kind of atmosphere. Um, end of civilization. The sacking of Rome kind of stuff. Impressive, I thought. And it got me thinking, fucking hell, these are better than 95, maybe 98% of modern metal covers, if not more. Um, I was out. I was about to ask... Um, Hey, man, maybe we could use some of these for something or other. Who knows? And then he comes clean. This is made by an AI art generator. It's called Canva, C-A-N-V-A, as I understand it. And what you do is you basically type in the instructions and a style. I don't know, ancient classical, I guess. Um, You know, ancient Irish landscapes. And it generates the images according to your type. Wow. God damn it, I thought. These are fucking impressive. And I just sort of, it, you know, it. my grey matter started to sort of, um, let's say, till the ground of ideas and think to myself, wow, these, this, is, this is something I knew, of course knew was out there. I knew was happening. But here it is, just right on my phone. And my friend goes, yeah, I just made these today. First go at trying to make them. And they're impressive. Fast forward a month, maybe, and videos for Angel of Death, and South of Heaven, generated by um, the lyrics to the songs through the same art generator, as I can see, um, basically lyric videos. Um, somebody very clever has come up with a YouTube channel, and it's just like AI art generator videos. Um, and they just started showing up in my YouTube algorithm. Just put in Slayer, Angel of Death, created by art generator, or lyrics created by art generator, and they'll, they'll pop up. Um, and... You know, to be honest, I went in cynically and came out more than impressed. If you haven't seen them, uh, check them out after you've been listening to this. Don't stop me, but um, check them out afterwards. The AI-generated video for Angel of Death is genuinely pretty disturbing. It's pretty dark, to say the least. And anyone who saw Slayer's final tour and the ham-fisted, infantile backdrops they had um, or bought one of their truly awful T-shirts over the last 30 years... Um, will realize that they've specialized in that since about 1990. So um, if only Kerry King had had access to this, we could have been spared some of these awful Slayer artworks. Um, And the videos themselves had literally 50 images that were all superior to pretty much anything Slayer have been using for a shirt or even covers, Uh, even though Christ Illusion is not bad on almost all levels. I'm pretty sure... You could have made a pretty, you know, a superior cover to literally anything since South of Heaven in 15, 20 minutes. And I kid you not. And the images are arresting and disturbing. Go and look at the one for Angel of Death. Impressive. And no doubt a cheap alternative for a band to use to make a video, um, which is pretty cool for musicians. I mean, I'm even thinking of trying to make one now for the song Where Lies the Gods with Primordial. You know, keep watching the YouTube channel. It might appear might appear um and it just sort of got me thinking is this how easy things are going to become or already have become 
Um, let's pick something. I'd like a painting in the style of Vermeer. And let's pick him because of that fucking moron who glued himself to the painting, the girl with the pearl earring in um, the museum the other week. As a quick aside, what do these protests do but just serve to antagonise people and anger people and turn people against the argument? Certainly I'd be less willing to hear the argument from whoever, for any fucking reason, glues themselves to an ancient piece of art. There are far better ways of trying to protest than that. The intention isn't clear and certainly doesn't do anything for the concept of whatever it is, climate discussion or anti-oil arguments, gluing yourself to an ancient piece of art, um, an oil painting. Is that is that the tenuous link? It's the same with the nonsense of people you can see on Instagram pouring out milk in shops. Um, I guess they're against dairy farming or something. But in the reality is, who does that affect? Only the low-wage employees, most likely migrants, who work in these shops who have to clean it up. It doesn't affect anybody at the top of the pyramid. Um, it's just a sort of selfish and narcissistic form of protest that are more about the optics and Instagram likes than getting a message across. Gluing your hands to this, throwing, um, you know, tomato soup over paintings. I mean, these are, whoever these people are, as a, as a person who does respect um, an ancient piece of art and tries to go to see whatever museum I possibly can every time I'm in a different city, Whatever, it doesn't matter what your argument is. You might be, you know, you might be saying that um, we don't need VAR in football. Yes, there's your first football reference anymore. And that's your protest. If you do that, I'm more likely to take the side up of VAR. That is not how to illustrate, um, you know, to try and frame an argument to the general public because it's it's too obtuse and it's just a fucking cuntish thing to do, to go and ruin an ancient piece of art. Anyway, anyway. I'm going to do a podcast about that kind of thing. Maybe go and protest the building of an oil pipeline somewhere in Turkmenistan or um, go and take a little boat out into the Baltic Sea and try and, I don't know, harpoon a um, an oil or gas pipeline or the people working on it or something or other or protest at the actual offices of said multinational. Or maybe if you've got a bit of bit more guts, pick at the embassy of an oil-rich state and see how far you get. But as I said, ruining ancient pieces of art are not, in my opinion, the way to get the message across. Anyway, I digress, I digress. Um, and actually, that wasn't what I intended to talk about, but it's just something that made my uh, blood boil. I thought I'd get off my chest while I'm here. And the, pro the podcast is, of course, called Agitators Anonymous. So I think I'm perfectly within the remit um, of the title. But I picked Vermeer because that was in my head. But if you can just tell the IAI art generator, as I said, it's called Canva, as in canvas without an S, C-A-N-V-A. You can go and check it out yourself. Can I have a painting of a medieval of a can I have a painting of a medieval witch burning in the style of Vermeer, for example? And maybe you frame it with a few more sentences. Then maybe you have the next Merciful Fate album cover right there. You know what I mean? If you've got the album um, The Eye, it's not you know, it's kinda cool. It's kind of dynamic, the purple cover with the amulet and on the back the witch being burned, but it's not very well painted, actually. Um, do that now and you would come up with something way better just through Canva. And what's that Merciful Fate song um, that they've been playing on the on the current tour? Isn't it called The Something of Salzburg, The Witch of Salzburg, The Terror of Salzburg? I don't know. I'm pretty sure you could find a great cover through Canva by just putting in those kind of things. See, it's already sold it to me, Canva. 
Anyway, what does that do to the graphic artist looking for work? Are they simply now going to be reduced to writing sentences? Um, as in truth, like I said, every single one of my friends generated images, and they were some of his first efforts, were better than 95%, if not more, of nearly all modern metal album covers. And it would seem he owns the copyright. Although I could be wrong, I'm going to have to read the small print on that. But I think so, because every single piece of art generated is that little bit different because um, you're putting in a different backdrop um, with the words that you're using. But what does this imply for society, for art, for artists? As Elon cleans up the bots, you know, are creative people in the digital realm going to be put out of business? Um, certainly a large section, I imagine, will. Um, speaking of Elon, a taxi driver about 15 years ago was arguing with me. I remember this because I wrote a column about it. Um, I couldn't find the column because I was going to try and look back at my impressions at the time. But he said to me, oh, those guys, David Bowie and Springsteen and Bono, especially Bono. Um, every Dublin taxi driver hates Bono. In fact, probably everyone hates Bono. Um, and he's, yeah, Bono, all them. They just put the words in and out comes the song at the other end. I tried saying to him, well, it doesn't really work like that. But maybe he was from the future. Um, maybe he was actually Elon, um, you know, impersonating or maybe doing a Nixer on the side, but working as, an, as a Northside Dublin taxi driver. But the fact is, it seems we already are on the cusp of computer written songs taking over the charts. I mean, let's look, they exist already, at least within hip hop or and b all that kind of stuff, as I understand it. The, techn the technology is surely here already where you can tell a very advanced system, program me a beat like old Run DMC or LL Cool J or something like this. Give me a bass line uh, based on Billie Jean with this particular bass and this particular tone and give me a rap inspired by Tupac based on these words. Um, and it seems to me like it could very well be almost on the cards that this already exists in the pop world or the, uh, maybe in the hip-hop world or... Um, I'm not really exactly too sure because it's so out of my wheelhouse. But, you know, having been in so many recording studios and knowing how the industry goes, um, realistic voice generation, let's say, might have a touch of the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley is that, um, well, I'll give you the dictionary definition of it first. So basically what it says is in aesthetics... Uh, which is, you know, what we see or how things look. The Uncanny Valley is a hip, hypothesized relation between an object's degree of resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to the object. The concept suggests that humanoid objects that imperfectly resemble actual human beings provoke uncanny or strangely familiar feelings of uneasiness or revulsions in observers. You remember um, there was one of those um, of Peter Cushing in one of the Star Wars movies, um, they had basically recreated him out of, I suppose, old images or whatever. And it is the idea that even when we look at something that resembles a human being, um, if it's been generated by AI, there's something within us that we can, we can just about tell. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But, um... I'm not sure what the equivalent would be with, say, for example, vocals or voice um, recognition or voice manipulation. Um, but you'd have to ask yourself, does it really matter? Because so much of modern pop music has such extremely affected vocals um, that it's pretty clear to me that you could just literally speak when you're recording. Well, not clear. I've seen people do it. Speak when you're recording and it will shift you, move you into gear, into the right key and all that kind of stuff. So do you really need a person to generate um, vocals? I, I would say you probably don't. So am I speaking out of my ass? Kind of, sort of, not really. I probably should have done a bit of investigation into it. But I mean, speaking to a couple of people at the weekend who are, are working in recording studios and that kind of thing, they were like, well, yeah, this technology pretty much already exists for machines to just write songs for people. And in reality, probably to sing them as well. Now, how weird they would sound to us or how unwilling we are to yet because to do this, because, of course, then you need, um, you know, the whole mu the, mu the music industry still is fundamentally um, people at the top working, uh, how shall we say, a pyramid structure, um, you know, of record contracts, of recording people, and they don't maybe perhaps want to do themselves entirely out of business. But it would seem that, um, you know, that that is coming. We were arguing about this last weekend at about 4 a.m. Shy talk, as we say. Shy talk. As it still felt odd, as um, it felt odd as I was bringing it up, as the musicians in the room, the general air in the room was, how can this replace what we do? But I'd say this, consider a form of the future where a kid watches a, di a digital gig through his AI, his Oculus Rift goggles, um, not in person, um, but an artificially created pop star singing songs created by a generator in a landscape or video generated by AI with little or no rule um, for human within it. And the views based on which would say maybe go to clicks or views 
um, which could place that, could it place that song at the top of the charts? I mean, look, you know, one of the biggest selling records of the last couple of years is the soundtrack um, to Frozen. And realistically, that's kid what kids watching cartoons singing songs. So the idea that kids would find it uncanny to watch um, artificially created um, characters singing songs that were also artificially created and feel uneasy about this, I think um, is going to go out the window. Because if you were, um, let's, if we take a child born now watching what I've just um, explained or tried to explain in my, you know, dumb way, in eight or nine years, um, would they care about the difference? I don't think they would. Or would they just shake their head when the parents try and tell them about the old days, when you went to see analog flesh and blood, um, people playing songs in the local bar? Obviously, now, I'm being obviously ignorant for effect. (laughs) Well, let's just say that. Um, And I don't have to try very hard. But this scenario seems pretty much sort of baked into our future society. It seems pretty much on the cards if it isn't already existing. There is going to come a time when the AI generator can take, let's say, long dead actors, prepare a script and storyline inspired by this or that book and generate a movie, maybe to 90-odd percent realism and ready for you to watch in your own goggles. Who knows? Maybe even you can create your own movies simply by writing or thinking a few paragraphs. Maybe they star you within them. Now, of course, this may be true for some people. Um, And, you know, by maybe for the people who've grown up within this system, the concept of the uncanny valley doesn't make them feel uncanny anymore. This is just um, the meta reality. And this is my sort of take on this. I think something like this is very, very likely. It just depends what else is happening in society. For those who choose to step into this other world, it will be there. And for those who choose to stay outside of it, you would hope that will also be there too. So we have a simple division. Those who rebel against this and want outside real interactions and real living and real musicians and real artists and those who don't. Certainly it places... And you've heard me say this before on the podcast, the principle, oh, you know what I'm going to say, but the principle of lockdown, remote working, and especially homeschooling via an online portal into this, all of this places these things into a new perspective, right? Can you envisage your kids being taught by pre-programmed avatars of teachers and not real and flesh blood teachers because in the future they're being told to, I don't know, let's just pluck this out of the sky, stay at home for half the week, because of energy shortages um, you know stay inside to save the world I mean that's already a sort of mantra that we've been hearing quite a lot but who programs these teachers that's the question as I said before the World Economic Forum has apparently been working on a meta teaching platform together with Facebook because they anticipate this happening again anyway I wish I'd asked my taxi driver from the future a few more questions the thing is I think, though, if you grow up with this new reality, it won't seem like a strange thing. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not the demographic to, you know, to say properly. But if you ever watched a small kid work a phone, you quickly realize that immersing them um, in a meta world. um, And for example, let's just take music. Accepting that music is just made by an AI generator within the metaverse is just how it is. Um, They aren't going to be missing um, you know, Springsteen's, um, you know, hyper-emotional bucket of uh, <laughs> sick analog music. But how do they miss what they do not know? The statistics that already exist for the amount of young people who have opted out of social society. Um, I don't know what the Western concept of hikimori, which is that 
you know what the word for the Japanese people who completely removed themselves from society but there's already got to be um, hundreds of thousands of these people throughout the West but with our first meaningful friendships are online who don't have sex um, these numbers are already huge are we really saying that this is going to stop or slow down our path towards this um, considering that dark path you know and that society is going down maybe staying inside and becoming your avatar is a much more enticing prospect right hey virtual sex doesn't come with rejection or does it and that's also a very interesting um you know idea for a podcast and i'm gonna have to really think about that but as i said in fleetingly in a podcast a while ago is there justice in the metaverse are there courts are there rules for your avatars could you go to meta prison uh, you better bet there will be rules and there will be justice dealt out to people for infractions for um, stepping outside of the norms of society. But how long do we spend in a digital jail? That's a podcast maybe for another day. But if this is the world you're brought up in, then would you miss art? Would you miss artists? Years ago, I read something by this guy I never heard of called Elon Musk about AI. And his short piece discussed the jobs that would disappear because of AI. Uh, from taxi driving to manual factory labor. I got my head, tried to get wrap my head around it. And I thought, but we're told that we need, um, you know, immigrants for all of these jobs. But if these jobs disappear, if all these factories jobs disappear, then where does everyone go and what do they do? Um, my brain sort of broke with that concept, but I didn't fully grasp the AI implications that I think are going to unfold. Um, he discussed musicians and artists and surgeons and dentists. I mean, not only working class jobs, but would you trust a digital surgeon with a flawless record or a human surgeon complete with all those human flaws? Um, do you know if your surgeon is an alcoholic or not? Do you know if they take, you know, a little bump of coke on the side? Um, do you know what's going on in their personal life that could just change the flick of that razor when they're busy making an insertion? Um, shortly afterwards, I remember having reading this uh, article by this crazy guy called Elon I never heard of about a pilot, I think it was in Switzerland, who flew a plane into a mountain and killed hundreds of people. And it seemed just because he was having some suicidal thoughts, they blamed it on. Would an AI pilot do the same? It seems unlikely. I mean, I ain't a scientist, um, if that seems rather obvious and will seem very up. Yes, when I tell my dumb story at the end, but, you know, who was this crazy Elon guy? And as we move forward, um, you kind of get it now. You've got the analog past, the analog society that we had, and it was perfectly evident during um, lockdown. You had the people who um, performed best during lockdown or kind of liked it or wanted it to continue or um, were less bothered by it were the kind of people who had already an online who were an ability to earn online. They had an online presence, an online avatar, let's say, to work through um, and didn't have to go out and work with their hands. They weren't taxi drivers trying to feed four, four kids in a working class area. And I think this is the greatest division. And that's what the tech division, I think, really speaks more to traditional um, traditional class roles than we would like to acknowledge, especially because most of the modern IT, let's call them middle class left tech class, uh, consider themselves to be speaking up for minorities. But I think in reality, um, they are appropriating them as as an ideological means to an end 
because I think in reality they don't really actually know that many working class people. Anyway, what am I talking about? Yeah, what I'm trying to say is I ain't a scientist. Um, and what that crazy Elon guy was talking about, I, can, I, I get it more and more. Maybe he was, as I said, that taxi driver back then, doing nixers on the north side of Dublin. In fairness, he had the accent down. But throughout my thoughts were, what happens to normal people in all of these discussions? Do we just forge ahead with technology because we can? We've all seen those robotic Boston dynamic dogs, and now they're out in the wild, so to speak. You've all seen those videos where people have gone, oh, I saw one out in L.A., or something like this. But are we saying, and this is a, something for a completely other podcast, but are we saying um, they and drones won't be used for policing or by the army? Um, remember, you know, during the pandemic when every government brought in rules to stop protesting or maybe to stop future protesting. Remember them? Um, who's to say by the time we're heading into the next pandemic and lockdown, the protests won't be policed by robots? Robocop kind of harder to reason with a robotic cop anyway anyway i mean the idea that these forms of tech won't be used by authorities the military tyrants and dictators around the world to police their citizens i mean look at the current chinese zero percent covid strategy um yeah still ongoing that is i know you've forgotten about it but um it ain't gone anywhere um the idea that they won't be used by um as you know they won't be used to implement structures of authoritarianism, I think, is naive because most modern tech was developed in part by the military, which includes our technological advancements. I mean, our boy Charles Darwin was on board a military vessel, was he not? Anyway, dream sequence over. I click on Hangar 18 in the AI uh, generator YouTube. Wow, this is damn good as well. And that's kind of what's been going through my head after watching these recent videos. Of course, the podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. And you do understand it's much more fun and much more interesting to dwell on the, the most, um, no, I won't say the most extreme sides of the argument, but at least to acknowledge where it could go and let your mind run a little bit with some of the um, implications instead of going, Asher, it'll all be grand. Everybody will always want... Um, live music and Asher artists will find a way um, I think that there's an AI future coming down the road that's going to make an awful lot of those things very very difficult and the, considering the implications of which I think are a little bit more interesting than just going ah look it's going to be grand well my friends episode 132 I will end with a very stupid story from last weekend just for a little bit of levity levity so we're uh, finished playing our gig on, um, see, I'm going to forget the days, which makes it even more um, prescient. But um, the gig in Belgium, which was great, a sort of over a couple of different floors, some interesting bands playing. There was drone bands of the Wand and the Moon, Zeeland Ardor, Ruins of Beverast. And, you know, sometimes when you meet old friends, such as like Ruins of Beverast, you decide, well, you know what? God damn it. I am going to get my party hat and I'm going to get my party on and you know it's my party. I can cry if I want to, etc, etc. Let's go. So we play. You lose time. You, you know, you lose your bit of your mind to a few mind-altering substances. You drink a bit of liquor. You drink a bit of this. You drink a bit of that. The rest of the band go, hey, we're going. We're going 
back to the hotel. And you go, okay, no problem. Well, I'm staying here. I'm staying here with my new friends. Um, and then you realize, oh, my phone is broken. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be grand. See, if the podcast was just called It'll Be Grand, I mean, for sure it'd be more popular. But um, but maybe the proof that things will be grand is how this this story unfolds. But the night goes on, the night goes on. Um, you know, don't forget, I have tons of bags with me, backdrops, all kinds of stuff. I'm being a bit belligerent, you know, but fun, belligerent, but fun. And then we all have to go. We all have to leave to go back to the hotel. I already have my hotel key and my room key. Um, and I say to the driver, who's one of the organizers, as I remember, I said, now I'm staying in the hotel with the ruins of Beveras guys, right? We're in the same hotel. He goes, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure you are. So I go, right then, let's go. I'll pull an all-nighter and suck it up in the morning and take a cold shower and let's go. And um, when we get to said hotel, um, I confuse and bamboozle the receptionist with my key going, I I don't seem to be able to find the number on this key. And he looks at me and goes, oh, that's pretty strange. Well, okay, here's room 231. Um, Yes. Um, Here's room 231. And uh, okay, well, I'll just swap it to you for this one. I go up to room 231, jump all my bags, and then go, wo ist ein Partyzimmer, yeah? Where's the party room? And go and find the party room, whereupon mainly we just talk about politics, uh, because that's the kind of party that you have when you're middle-aged. Um, and at some stage, I go, oh, you know, I'm just going to go down to my room to get uh, some sort of speaker or some book or some bullshit or other, and walk down the corridor and... Oh, coming up the stairs, looking in a window is our bass player, Paul, who's like shouting at me. And I'm like going, oh, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, I know. We're getting up in an hour. Um, and I go and open a little sort of fire door I'm not supposed to open or something like this. And he goes, where the fuck are you? What are you doing? And I go, huh? What? Well, of course, you figured at the end of the story. But as it turns out, this was not my hotel. I'd gone completely back to a, a completely other random hotel, miles and miles from where the band is. Um, I was up in time for the shuttle, for the lift in the morning, because I was still up. Uh, I shouldn't have been given a room. The guy in the reception just gave me a room, I think, because I was annoying. Uh, so I had a completely unpaid for random room uh, full, full of all my stuff, still wearing, I have to admit, um, part of my, you know, partly got some very tasteful corpse paint on. So had some eye guy liner rocking. Um, and I just gone was just happened to see him looking through the window when I happened to go outside into the corridor, and he was like, "Dude, you have like two minutes. We've got to go and get a flight right now." That's a hello Cleveland spinal tap moment where you go, "Okay, so I'm, um, you know, thirty forty minutes from where I should be in a completely other hotel in a completely wrong room, with a hotel room that uh, a tired and confused receptionist shouldn't have given me, but yet, fluke luck." just means I happen to catch the eye of a person and open a door I shouldn't. And out of that door, I end up making my flight on time and back home. Only now, my bones are aching, my muscles are weary, my brain is mush, because, of course, at my age, you shouldn't be pulling all-nighters. My friends, that's the moral of the story, is don't pull all-nighters, stay hydrated, and Asher, it'll be grand. Anyway, my friends, my limited intelligence tried to 
um, you know, create a podcast out of thin air about artificial intelligence. Um, so maybe the moral, the second moral of the story is that I would be better off by um, just being um, plugged in to the Matrix because um, there ain't left much left in the tank when it comes to my brain cells. My friends, episode 132, over and out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.